Who's wrong and who's wronger? In this corner, followed by Millions James, the exploding unicorn, Breakwell. And in that corner, ignored by Millions, Steve Dash, Rinko Levers. Hey, everybody, welcome back to Wrong and Wronger. <laughs> The podcast where I, Dr. Steve, am suddenly remembering something I didn't do for the podcast as we're starting to fire up the engines. And he's James, sitting on the dock of the bay, waiting for Godot Breakwell. And James, <laughs> how are you doing today, man? Well, I'm a little nervous because I'd like to know exactly what is it you forgot <laughs> to do. Well, we had more listeners crawl out of the woodwork and say, I too have listened to every episode, and I made a promise to each of them that I would name them on the show, and I forgot to go through and make a list. Well, that's all right, because I have one who emailed me as well. I don't know if they're on your list, too. We seem to get some duplication here. I'd like to give a shout-out to Joseph Wayman and his sister, Julie. They have listened to every episode. He says he fell behind briefly because he got distracted by six months by Harry Potter. But that's okay, because, you know, if your entertainment options are wrong and wronger and Harry Potter... It's okay to take a break from us. I'm just glad that we're in the same entertainment category, and surely sure. we will be rewarded with similar levels of wealth. Boy, you're going to need a crash helmet for all the dollar bills that are going to be avalanching down on you, James. Well, I do remember two, and your there were three, and yours might actually have been the third. So the fact that I didn't actually physically make a list might not be a detriment, because one was Dr. Brady Palmer, who's an eye doctor, Ooh. but apparently there's something wrong with his ears because he still <laughs> listens to Wrong and Wronger. And two was Tara Hutchins, who has been a follower of mine since I believe I joined Twitter in 2012. Like, she's been around forever. Wow. And uh, by the way, everybody who's listened to every podcast episode, I, of course, expect you to buy my book because, you know, it's like a podcast, but without Steve. So it's like the best part and only the best <laughs> part. So please take advantage of that. Wait, so tell me, has the book distribution issue been resolved? That is an interesting question. So the, as far as the, the crisis at the start where um, they just they, they changed distributors and they accidentally canceled a bunch of pre-orders, I should put accidentally in quotes, that part, I believe, has been mostly resolved. Uh, however, the, the launch date is still an open question mark, so they had to push it back a week because of uh, everything going on the wor in the world. Book printing is behind. Paper supplies are low. All that good stuff. It's not just microchips they're running out of. They're running out of the old-fashioned stuff, too. So it was originally supposed to have a release date of June 1st. It's technically pushed back to June 8th on some websites. But I told them, just lift the restrictions. Just let them mail it out when they get it. So some people have already gotten the book. And some people are getting emails saying they're not going to get it till mid-June. So depending on where you are, depending on how much the Internet hates you or loves you, that depends on oh. when you get the book. So I say roll the dice, order the book, and see when it shows up. And it'll be a pleasant surprise when it gets there. Well, apparently I'm on the tail end of the uh, 
sending the book out, but it's still not bad. I think I sent you a screenshot from Amazon. They sent me June 10th is June the 10th. new I will receive it. Yeah, date. that's an interesting release date too, because that like wasn't one of any of the options listed. They created like a separate release date just for you. But I've heard from a couple other people there's a say in June 10th as well. So I guess that's the uh that's the back of the line. But that's okay because if you're there, you know, people know who they'll be with and they'll be, you know, very easy or very eager to read a book as a distraction to forget that fact. Well, it's June 8th plus two days to ship. Probably. Ah, that's what it is. I gotcha. And it's, it's funny because Amazon typically will just mail out stuff when, as soon as it hits their warehouse. Like shipping dates and embargo dates mean nothing to them. They just don't want it sitting in their warehouse. Uh, but for the ebook, they will absolutely not release it before that street date. Like it's, it's like against huh. their religious code or something. So Amazon is a strange and mysterious beast, but they do sell a lot of books. And again, the title <laughs> of that book, which I have failed to mention because I am terrible at yes. selling books is how to be a man whatever that means lessons of modern masculinity from a questionable source grab it from wherever you can and it will show up at some point in the near future and i believe you have an advanced copy don't you yes I have, a, the I have a whole box of, of advanced copies so these things do exist in paper form they're yes. floating around yes, yes, somewhere yes. in the distribution chain. it is i assure you it is a real book and not a figment of my imagination unlike so much <laughs> else of what goes on on this podcast <laughs> Well, that's exciting. So even though you were supposed to launch on June 1st, you're still on pins and needles waiting for it to go. And then you launch into all of your press and do all the break wellian things that you are so... Uh, reluctant yet good at doing. <laughs> I had a I had a pang of guilt slash panic today. I saw it was June first. I was like, oh crap! I have a book coming out today, and I was like, do I really though? Like, what is <laughs> what even is the launch date anymore? <laughs> Well, I, launch date is defined as what? Like, is today technically your launch date? It, I thought it was today, and they said, "Well," I, and they said, "Can we move it back a week?" And I said, "Why don't you just let people send it out whenever they send it out?" But now Amazon, which is the only one I check regularly, they're saying June eighth. But then again, you know, Tam's in at Mainstream Books, Street Books in Lafayette, Indiana, where I sign them. She's been mailing out books for two weeks, so I. Oh, you, you can wow. interpret release date to mean whatever you want it to mean. It is <laughs> we we don't place limits on words here. <laughs> Very good. Well, pick up Breakwell's book, and I know somebody tweeted to both of us because we were both tagged in that as long as Olivas vouches for it, that's good enough for him, and he pre-ordered your book too. Wow, I did not see that tweet, and I'm a little upset that he trusts your word. But if it benefits me financially, I'm going to be okay with it. Want this one and only time. <laughs> All right. Well, that's exciting stuff going on in Breakwell's adult life. Breakwell's kid life is a mess right now because, James, I believe all 27 of your children are out of school, which almost definitionally means feral. Yes, they, they are all here. They are all making sounds. I've only had to yell at them 15 or 20 times today. And they go through waves. They go through waves where they're silent, and I forget they're here, and I feel like a bad parent for not checking on them to make sure they're still alive. And they go and they go through periods where they're so loud, I just wish they'd be silent and, you know, have questionable survival skills. So you just you just never know what you're going to get. But they kind of, they just have two, uh, they have two volumes. They have Creepy Ninja, and then they just have Screaming. And those, that, those are the ways they, they communicate. It's like it's kind of like the rooster call on a farm. You know, it's first thing in the morning when the first kid starts screaming at the second kid. It wakes up the whole house Aww. and puts us all in a great mood. Sure. No, that's so sweet. Do people come up to you, James, and say, you'll miss these days when they're gone? 
You know, they they do, and but uh, not not so often because usually it's after reading a newsletter or something, and they understand why I'm very eager for them to be over. But then again, <laughs> in the newsletter. I focus on the chaos. Like for the most part, they're old enough. Okay, they're all potty trained, and they give themselves baths. And depending on circumstances, sometimes they will feed themselves. So, I mean, like if I were to drop dead right now, it might take them a few days to notice. So we're we're, we're kind of like mm. on the cusp of self sufficiency. And if I if I'm a bad parent, I might give them that last little push to finally raise themselves. We'll see where we end up at the end of the summer. Well. Speaking of summer, as we discussed at length during our production meeting <laughs> before we started recording, and it's usually James and myself and a few interns and a couple hired writers around a conference table with like three ring binders and notebooks, and uh, someone can sometimes cater lunch in. It's uh, not a bad situation that we have here at the Wrong and Wronger Palatial Studios. But uh, there is a movement, or there has been for about 20 years, to make school a year-round endeavor. And I don't know your opinion on that, James, but I certainly have a strong opinion about it. Given that you have kids who are running amok through your home, I'm guessing you would be an advocate of year-round school? Yes, and actually, even back when I was in school, I thought year-round school would be pretty great. Because it seems like summer what? gives you... I mean, even though the break flies by, it almost gives you too much time off in one spot and not enough time off the rest of the year when you kind of want it. You know, you can't. there's never enough time to really go anywhere or do anything for any of the other breaks in the year. And you've got this one giant break right at the summer when it seems like you're kind of, you can't necessarily go and do stuff because everybody else is going and doing stuff or you got to get a summer job. I think the, the one advantage of a big summer break is for high school kids to get a job uh, if, yeah. you, if you want to work when you're not in school. But other than that, I think that kids, they just forget a ton over the summer. And there's really, I guess there's really no reason for summer vacation. Uh, the, the urban legend is that it was caused so that kids could go out and work on the farm. But in reality, like crops and stuff, there's nothing to do on the farm in summer. Like all the work is in the spring and fall. Summer's nothing. I guess they they really just closed the schools because there was no air conditioning and they didn't want kids to start an, on fire, you know, sitting in their desks. And also yes. sweaty kids really stink and you don't want to have a class of 25 of them. So they <clears> sent <throat> them home. Uh, but now that we're in the era of air conditioning, I mean, granted, my poor Catholic school growing up uh, did not have air conditioning. So we sometimes got out early on account of heat stroke. But the majority of schools with actual funding now do have air conditioning. And I think if you do have air conditioning, year-round school makes more sense. Not necessarily adding to the number of days, just spreading them around more evenly. Man, now as a parent who would have to figure out what to do about childcare during summer vacations, uh, I understand why parents would want year-round, but from a kid's standpoint, I, I can't imagine not having summer vacation. Like that was when the most bonding would happen between you and the neighborhood kids. And that's when all the stories that you tell the rest of your life start happening. So I love that long stretch of uninterrupted kiddom. Like uh, kids don't need to punch a clock when they're eight years old. They don't need to get indoctrinated into that whole working mindset. Like uh, let kids be kids and there's no better place than a three month Petri dish 
of what kind of human being are you going to be when you grow up? And uh, just all the peer interactions, all the things that I'm sure you never had, James, because you hate people <laughs> and spent most of your life not interacting with them. But for those of us that had other people in our lives, besides our 27 siblings, which you have now recreated in your own home, that uh, that was invaluable time for us. So I am not a proponent of year-round school. Well, this is an interesting time to discuss year-round school because we're coming off a year when kids were home a lot. They were doing school from here, and I wonder if there would ever be a day where they would leave home. And now I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm still at home all day, so I guess it's a little bit of a different perspective. Uh, but you know, I growing up, it seemed like at the start of summer, like there's all this energy, and like we're gonna go out and do stuff, and then like by the middle of July, it's just so hot. Everybody just stays in their house watching cartoons tunes anyway uh, so I think I think that's part of it and now everybody's got video game systems and all that you've got the internet you've got your own phones I mean the era of going over and riding your bikes around the neighborhood and all of that is kind of over my kids have all these friends in this neighborhood who are pretty nearby who I told them like this summer it's like you can bike to their house whenever you want stay there overnight if you want stay there all summer I don't care in fact I encourage it uh, but it turns out all those kids are in daycare and day camps and stuff all all day so even though my kids are off like and everybody else's kids are off too they're all elsewhere and otherwise engaged so my kids are just home alone with themselves and me so we're kind of back in the same spot we were before man that's a fate that i wouldn't bestow upon anyone james all day with breakwell <laughs> You know, it's interesting you bring up that uh, I, I was thinking through what you were saying, and I do see that even I, even where I live, which is you, you live in sort of a cityscape. Uh, people don't know where you live, but yeah. there, there's uh, it's a little more urban. Mine is more of like a subdivision mm -hmm. where there's a bunch of kids. And I remember tweeting about this like a year or two ago when I walk around the neighborhood I don't see kids playing out past the age of like 10 or 11. Mm -hmm. And I speculated that's because that's when they stumble upon video games and never leave home again, turn into the humans at the end of the movie Wally. But I did see the other day, and I this made an impression on me. There was like a young 14-ish boy walking his bike next to a young 14-ish girl. And I thought, good for you. <laughs> that uh, you're walking around the subdivision like you're trying to figure out how to be in a relationship, boyfriend, little girlfriend, like those are the fun times. And I was glad, I was encouraged that there are still kids that'll do stuff like that because I think it's all online now with the advent of Tinder and Plenty of Fish and all of the websites that advocate let's date people we've never met before. I think I'm glad to see, uh, glad to see teenage boy and teenage girl just walking around the neighborhood uh, doing the thing, whatever it is that they're going to do. Teenage boy, teenage girl, creepy old man observing them through his blinds. You know, the, the, the classic <laughs> scenario. That was, that's that's how that goes. Only marginally wearing pants. That's yes. right. I'm sure, the, I'm sure the dad and mom of the teenage girl were considerably less thrilled with that scenario than you are. But let's just <laughs> let's assume everything was innocent and they, and they were well supervised and all that good stuff. My oldest is 11, so she's I, it's, it seems like she'd be right on the bubble of like when she'd go out and play and not. But she's kind of the uh, she's the leader of my little tribe of barbarians. So when they go out, she goes out too and bosses them around as the, as sure, is the job sure. of the oldest child. She's kind of the, well, the sheepdog. If you don't abuse it, James. yeah. Come I on. mean that's the whole point. It's like and I think the sheepdog analogy really fits. So she's not quite you know one of the farmers, but she's not a sheep either. She's like right in between. We give her extra responsibilities, but she's got extra power too, and she's not afraid to wield it. We <laughs> 
we've got a uh, a Power Wheels Jeep that's a big hit right now. It's Barbie themed, and uh, we we have it out on the porch, and the kids can pull it out whenever they want and circle the block. And uh, my oldest and my second oldest are too big for it. They sit it and their knees stick out the top, but it's got some get up and go. So their activity is they go out there and they just circle our block. And then there's little kids in a couple houses around us and they drift out then because, you know, it's an attractive nuisance. And then they give them sure. chauffeured rides around. So they haven't they haven't been playing with kids their own age, but they've been playing with much younger kids. And so far, uh, they haven't hurt anybody. Nobody's got sued or sued me. Nobody's gotten run over. So we'll, we'll see if that luck holds for the rest of the summer but they've probably played outside more than most uh, with that being said uh, outside of our block i don't see a ton of kids playing outside at all and we're still actually in the cold part of uh the summer here it's actually so cold that our public pool refused to open they said it was too chilly uh and that was one place i was going to take my kids this summer to let them burn off energy and destroy things outside our house but sure, uh, sure. We, we do not have pool heaters here so uh yeah we got to wait for the sun to stop being lazy and so far it has not been up to the task oh you know when you were a kid james you you grew up you didn't grow up in the sticks when you were a kid, right? No, I grew up in a city of about 30,000, mostly. I mean, very, very young I was in the country, but from about third grade on, I was in a mid-sized city. So if you told, from third grade forward, if you told 10 stories about your childhood that didn't involve your family, would all 10 of those stories or a bulk of them come from summer vacation? I don't think so, no. I mean, that certainly was, was time when I would roam more. You know, I'd ride my bike much further. That was back in the days where you could leave your parents' sight without them assuming you were going to get murdered. Uh, and sure. I was, I, was sure. I think, on the tail end of that generation where you could just leave the house and, you know, your parents just assumed you'd come back eventually. Because I, I didn't have a cell phone <laughs> until I got out of college, but I can't even imagine. Right. Like now, as part of my job, it's basically surgically attached to my hand. I live on my phone. And, uh, you know, for social media and all of that. And uh, I just went without it for all those years. I didn't have internet till I was in eighth grade. But I think people, but I, I think all the kids who were just a couple of years younger than me and had the internet a bit longer, I think they, they lost the need to roam because why would you bike five miles across town when you can just chat on the internet? I mean, they're, they are avoiding some serious cardio there. And I, I respect that. They're, they're making wiser decisions than I did. <laughs> Why move if I can sit perfectly still for yes. the rest of my life? Yes. You got the idea. Now, did you, did, I forget, did you grow up in one place the whole way till college or did you move around? Uh, I'm very close to your story, except backwards. So I grew up in like the inner city of Milwaukee till I was almost seven. And then I moved out to a farm. Okay. So oh, wow. from seven forward, I lived out the, in uh, the sticks. Okay. Because it, when you're a little kid, moving is almost like death. You start your life over. You just lose contact with all of your friends, and you go back to square one. Uh, but now it's not like that anymore. My my nine-year-old had a friend who's moving to uh, South Carolina, and it's not a big deal for her because she can still message her on Facebook Kids. And it's like, man, when I was nine, if a kid moved away, I never saw or heard from that child again. <laughs> it was like they vanished from the face of the earth. Yes, they're plucked up by aliens, right? And you know the way Facebook works, you never unfriend anybody. She'll still probably be following that kid's news feed like 30 years from now. Like, oh, yep, she's got four more kids. Like, who is that even? It's like, oh, this kid I knew when I was nine. And they probably will yeah. not talk again either at some point. They'll just slowly stalk each other's news feed as, as is the custom now. 
<laughs> and 30 years from now, her friend will say, hey, did your dad's book about becoming a man ever come out? <laughs> you know, every once in a while, it's, it, this this double life is kind of weird because somebody will say, like somebody said to my oldest kid the other day, is like, is, is your dad, is he the one who writes books? And she's like, yeah. And it's like, what what do they mean by that? What what do they know? What don't they know? Or like, I, I have a neighbor who was driving down the street and rolled down his window and said he found my YouTube channel, which is by far the, like, the smallest part of my online empire. And so like when I go out, I don't introduce myself as like the guy who does stupid stuff on the internet. I try to be just like a regular adult around here but slowly but surely our online activities are seeping out and i just uh -oh. i never want to reveal more than i have to and i never i never want to confess <laughs> to anything i haven't been caught for yet so it's it's kind of been a slow so your standard answer is why what do you know yeah, exactly like where are you going <laughs> with this <laughs> well shouldn't you embrace that level of celebrity james well, as you love to say at every possible what? opportunity, I am not a celebrity. I am just a guy who happens to have some followers on the internet and put out a book every now and then. Uh, but I kind of I kept those two spheres separate for so long that, like, had I gone out and just been like, "This is me," you know, done no pen name, no anything, just had one identity, it would have been much simpler. But now I've got like these two separate identities that really don't yeah. overlap at all. And when people like. <laughs> jump the lane from one identity to the other it's like i don't know how i feel about that you were so reluctant to meet me in real life the first time we got together i had to go through your security team and your publicist and your manager and then uh th there was an advanced team that came and made sure to stake me out that i wasn't packing when we got together it was uh it was a whole process you know i think it's pretty good that i put basically everything about my life on the internet since 2012 <laughs> and i still haven't been murdered so like i'm doing something right <laughs> some of these measures have to be working uh but you know i you know, have to like institute a delay too it's like i'm going someplace like oh this is awesome i got a great picture of the kids i gotta post it's like yeah but i should probably post it like tomorrow because when you get, reach like a critical mass of followers no matter how obscure the thing you are taking a picture of is like somebody will oh. recognize it like i had like just like a local park one time and just i took a picture of like the most generic piece of playground equipment ever and somebody's like i had no idea you lived in my town i was like how how oh. did you figure that out but there's there's always somebody somebody always knows Wow. Did they do that in a public forum or did they at least have the courtesy to direct message you with that one? I was a teacher, actually, of all things. So it was somebody I had direct contact with. Uh, oh, so that was another okay. case where somebody who already knew me in real life <laughs> then just had a reason to be ashamed of me. So that's, I, I, I excel at making people think less of me. Like, I, If you meet me in person, like at first I seem normal enough. I can kind of I'm not normal, but I can pass for normal in short bursts. And then all this other other stuff comes out it's like well yeah there's you know 10,000 hours of content out there and uh you you are definitely going to think less of me as a human being by the end of this <laughs> it, well, it only took me like i don't know 12 minutes and i thought way less of you and thought there's no way i'm going to do this podcast and yet here we are hundreds literally hundreds of episodes later we're both huge celebrities in uganda <laughs> like uh look at all the good that this has brought to my life james and then ask yourself wouldn't i be better off to have just walked away after 12 minutes because that i ask myself all the time 
I'm flattered that for 12 minutes you thought I was a big deal. In fact, I think you kind of thought I was a big deal when you reached out to me for the commute for that podcast all that time ago, which, by the way, do I still have your most listened to episode of all time? You have the two most listened to. Ooh, what? I was on yeah. there. I was on there twice. Yeah. I do. Not <laughs> Wait a minute. Are you sure? Yes, because the second time there's another guest that was creeping up on your number and you're like, hold my beer. And you like went and pumped yours because you didn't want you 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 didn't want anyone to have one of the top two spots. You wanted to have both of them for yourself. That was like only the first or second podcast interview I'd ever done. And I think it was long enough ago that there weren't 50 million podcasts. There were like a million <laughs> right. podcasts. So when I put it out there, people actually clicked on it. Like if we could do those numbers for wrong and wronger every week, we wouldn't have oh. six people telling us they've listened to every episode. We have like nine people telling us they'd listen to every episode. We would we be in the big time. We wouldn't be number time. two in Uganda. We'd be number one oh, in Uganda. Easy and possibly, yeah, maybe some other countries, maybe some of the, the stand countries we've never heard Ooh. of, you know, Kazakhstan and all of those places. Yeah, yeah, Kazakhstan, yeah. Uzbekistan, Creeping Yemen, up. yeah. Yeah, I wish I wish we could recreate that. We can't though. That that first episode was kind of magical though. I went. I had to have been your most hostile guest of all time. I, I will take credit for that. We. Uh, I was afraid of you online for a long time. You were afraid of me. What what possible power do I have online to do anything? Oh, you were a dick. I I'm a dick right now. What? How did that change? Oh, yeah, but now you're sort of. Wait, we're gonna go in a direction that I don't think youtube is going to appreciate but you're you're far more flaccid than ever before james so just hear all that thumping down the stairs wow that was well timed actually um all Did right somebody fall down the stairs carrying a drum set what was that that's a good that's a good question so well that's also a good note to end on i think i am hearing james give the let's wrap this up tone because <laughs> i gotta go deal with this stuff well, you have made it to another episode of Wrong and Wronger, and I'm talking to everyone except Breakwell, who made it almost to the end before a catastrophe happened and he has to go and rescue his home from his children, a place that many of us parents have been and completely empathize with. So if you want to be part of our unguided misadventures again next week, tune in, tell a friend, hit the subscribe button, and let's try to rev this thing up to nine. That is Breakwell's, that, that's his level of accountability. So, until then, this is Dr. Steve, Steve Olivas for James the Exploding and now Absent Unicorn saying thanks for listening, thanks for watching, and remember, as always, that two wrongs can make a right. <laughs>